from Sydney, Australia, to Nugatuck, Connecticut, in the U.S. of A. Welcome to Wrestling's Week That Was, presented by MainEventMadness.com. Here are your hosts, Joel the Man O'Brien and Aaron the Mastermind Ramadan. Well, hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to Wrestling's Week That Was. I am Joel the Man O'Brien co-editor of prowrestlingpowerhouse.com coming to you like i always do from the land down under sydney australia and joining us as he does every single saturday afternoon is my friend and other co-editor of pwp aaron ramadoff and uh aaron what's going on and did you have a good week uh yeah considerably a, a wonderful week as far as pro wrestling is concerned other than that you know same old same old uh you know it's a pretty nice day in connecticut today other other than last week, last week was all rainy. This today is all nice and sunny, so hopefully that continues. Uh, it's good that the uh, weather has definitely changed from last week because I know you guys were surrounded in rain and and drenched. Mm-hmm. So it's good to hear that things are a little bit better on that side. Well, we're going to be with you for the next hour and a half, talking all the major news, shows, and matches coming out of the week week that was exclusively for maineventmadness.com. Uh, we have a ton to cover today. NXT TakeOver, our evolution is now in the books. And to say that it is a must-see program is a complete and utter understatement. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you right here on Wrestling's Week that was later on the show. But not to be outdone, WWE also has a pay-per-view this Sunday called TLC, if you're not aware. So expect a full rundown on that. Plus, we're going to talk Raw, NXT, SmackDown, and so much more. Before we delve into this week's hot topics, remember, we are currently on iTunes and Stitcher as we speak. So if you're looking for a practical way to help this show and and stay in touch with everything we do every single week, uh, download the podcast app on your smartphone and subscribe to PWP Radio Network uh, via uh, via both media platforms. It only takes one click to stay in touch with all the great weekly content that we uh, provide, and it helps us out immensely. Um, now, obviously, we're going to be doing the big move to maineventmadness.com in the, in the next year, but this is the best way to kind of stay in touch with us and stay in touch with the content for the time being. We do have a website and Facebook page in the works, so that's going to be our ma- major hub uh, going into the new year to find out all of our stuff uh, for, for, uh, in regards to maineventmadness.com. Um, but the rest of the kind of like admin news, if you want to just call it that, we have Jeff Jarrett coming on to Wrestling is Rope Break in two weeks. Uh, yep, the, the the founder of Global Force Wrestling is going to sit down with us and chat about the uh, Wrestle Kingdom 9 uh, pay-per-view happening in January. That's huge with Jim Ross involved and a massive, massive uh, card involving the New Japan uh, pro wrestling uh, talent. And uh, yeah, so much to talk about to Jeff about. So in two weeks' time on Wrestling's Week, Wrestling's Rep Break, we're going to hit it up and uh, we're going to prov- provide you with a lengthy interview with Mr. Jeff Jarrett. Uh, we also have some articles in the works. I do too, actually, because I've, I've been promising some articles. I've got I've got two articles on the, the disaster that was Char- Charlotte versus uh, uh, Natalia from last, for last Monday Night and Raw, and uh, Miz and Miz Down, why they've been so great. Uh, Aaron, have you got any other articles in the, in the pipeline ready to go? 
Uh, yeah. I mean, um, right now I'm working on a piece um, explaining that WWE's competition as far as, you know, and of course that's regarding the Vince McMahon podcast with Stone Cold Steve Austin a couple weeks back. Um, discussing WWE's competition and the lack thereof. Um, But I'm explaining that I think WWE's competition is coming from within, and that's, of course, talking about NXT, and and maybe that's the thing that can kind of get Vince McMahon and the main roster uh, back on track. But that's going to be coming out maybe the next week or or so. Uh, Currently on the website right now, uh, we just released our PWP uh, TLC predictions. Uh, Yourself, me, uh, Bill Shannon, Zach Fellows, and Dan Marin, all five of us, um, giving our predictions for this Sunday. Um, and, of course, we have two articles up right now reviewing um, NXT TakeOver, our evolution that we'll talk about later, um, and an awesome piece by Sam Thorne on uh, why WWE is failing to make new stars. So a bunch of great stuff. Like I've always said, you know, PWP has a bunch of original content. Uh, head over there. You know, there's nothing like it, so. Yeah, but we've got a ton of writers that you just mentioned straight off the bat. Bill Shannon, Zach, Zach Fellows, yourself, myself. We have a ton of content up there, so you should definitely check it out if you haven't already, and that's on prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. Let's not wait to get into the uh, – t- well, we're going to talk top news of the week, but let's not wait to get into NXT TakeOver. Let's just talk NXT TakeOver, our evolution straight off the bat. Uh, we did a post-show that is available – uh, via my my Twitter at Wrestling R Break uh, and available on Aaron's Twitter at Aaron underscore PWP. If you scroll down and find the link, we did a tremendous post show. It was a lot of fun. We had some calls, took some calls uh, live straight after the pay per view. And one thing that uh, was uh, evident was this is probably one of the best shows of 2014. Uh, up and down the card, great wrestling. Up and down the card, logical pro pro wrestling booking. Up and down the card, great storytelling. Uh, we'll, we'll, obviously, we're going to go in detail of why it was so good later on the show, but straight off the bat, like uh, Aaron, uh, what did you think of the show? Well, like we said Thursday, I think it was just such a, a great show from top to bottom. There was really nothing that you know was boring or, or anything that we had to kind of sit through and get through. Everything had a purpose. Everything filled some kind of void. It was... It was just a solid show. I mean, Darren Browning uh, usually does our pay-per-view or special events uh, reviews. He called it probably the best pay-per-view of the year. So that's saying something as far as, you know, trying to, um, you know, really sell NXT to people. I mean, if you're not already subscribing to the network just for the pay-per-views alone, um, NXT is probably one of the biggest reasons, probably the reason to subscribe to the WWE network because, I mean, that show on Thursday was absolutely insane. It was excellent. An excellent pro wrestling show. Went for two hours. It didn't insult your intelligence like a lot of WWE stuff has done in the last few months. It's straightforward. It was just it was just excellent. It was, it was great. And as we said, we'll get into the details of why it was great later on the show, but we just have to point that out. Uh, if, you're not, if you don't have the network, I mean, like, there's so much... There's so much stuff out there that you know like either distracts you from like the network or encourages you to get the network and this is definitely something that encourages you should encourage you to get the network it's, it's just an awesome value and it's just it's the highlight of my week every single week here on wrestling's week that was and uh, we'll get into it a little bit later on but yes there is there is a wwe pay-per-view uh on sunday and it's tlc and right now i mean like the Aaron, the card itself, I mean, like the, the card's got a lot of uh, hidden gems, I think. 
uh, Rollins and Cena. I mean, they've got they've always had a good match. I think they could easily pull out another good one. Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose in a TLC match. I mean, like, there's a lot of good little positives to be taken from this card, but will it outshine NXT TakeOver or Revolution? Um, I think not. Uh, I think, you know, it's going to be really tough to do that because NXT TakeOver this past Thursday was just so well-booked. It was two hours. It was tight. Everything was, was just solid. Now, this might, and the good thing about, you know, NXT TakeOver happening this week is that, you know, it might motivate the main roster guys to step up, and that, that might be, you know, just kind of something that they need to say, whoa, look at these young guys. Well, you know, we've got to step up our game. We've got to show that we're the main roster and not the other way around. So um, that could be a good thing. Like you said, there there are a couple of hidden gems this Sunday, like Luke Harper versus Dolph Ziggler in a ladder match. I mean, um, my guy, Eric Rowan, versus That's the right, big yeah. Jonas Stairs match. Um, but I don't really know what a stairs match is to this day, but you know, that's besides the point. Aaron, uh, I, 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 know what a, I know what I know what a stair match is. It's a match where stairs are legal. How exciting is that? Like, aren't stairs like almost kind of legal anyway? I mean, if you throw somebody into the stairs, you don't get disqualified. So I don't know. It's just no, so dumb. It, it really is. Aaron, no, no, you got to use it as a weapon. That that, that, and that and that makes it legal, but I, I, I know they could have done really something a little bit more inventive. But it's just a we got we got to add as many gimmick matches as we can to this pay per view. And um, while we're talking about gimmick matches, do you think like like obviously we've got Hell in a Cell during the year? I mean now we've got this pay per view in the year. Like obviously this might be a nitpicking kind of like point, but do you think like gimmick matches are kind of like these gimmick pay-per-views, do they enhance or detract from the actual product itself? I think they detract. I've been a very, um, I've been a very against gimmick pay-per-views in general. I don't like them. I think stipulation matches like a Hell in a Cell or like a TLC match um, should only be brought out to enhance a feud. I mean, for example, Hell in a Cell, and it worked out pretty well this year, uh, with Rollins and, and Ambrose, but the, the, you know the Hell in the Cell is only to be used to enhance or to finish a feud. That's just the way it goes. So I hate when they have to force these these gimmick pay per views. I'm glad they're taking and you know they, they broke that news I think a couple of weeks ago or something like that where you know uh, Elimination Chamber is going to be taken away and it's just going to be a generic pay per view. I think it's called Fastlane or something like that. I think, that's, I, think, I think it's very ironic because that that pay per view. At least the Elimination Chamber uses uses the uh, chamber as a means to get to WrestleMania. At least there's a there's, there's a purpose behind that. Like I think it was the only gimmick pay per view that actually kind of made sense because like you, you're going through torture and pain to get to get to WrestleMania. So it's ironic that they took this one away, but we still have TLC and we still have Hell in a Cell, and like I think Hell in a Cell especially is one of those pay per views where it's just like yeah go. I, well, I always felt like Elimination Chamber just got in the way of things. I mean, you already have, you know, Royal Rumble, and then you have the guy, whoever wins the match, you know, is going to main event WrestleMania. So why even, like, it just, it was confusing, especially now with one world champion. It just, that pay-per-view in general doesn't make sense. I understand why they took it away. You know, I hear that they're going to be uh, putting that for SummerSlam and make that a special attraction for SummerSlam, okay. which I, I'm a big fan of. That's, that's huge, especially that, you know, SummerSlam's in New York this year, and I plan to go to that. So uh, I'm excited for that. But, it, you know, in, in general, I, I just – I'm not a big fan of gimmick pay-per-views. Um, I, I think they've kind of – they've kind of 
done that in the last couple of years, and it's, it just doesn't work for me. No, and uh, a good example of that last year was this epic big match, John Cena versus Randy Orton. I can't believe that was a year ago for the un, for the first ever undisputed WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And does anyone remember that match anymore? Like honestly, uh, I don't. It's I'm, I'm struggling too. But yeah, regardless, TLC this Sunday. Uh, you know, Rollins and Cena in a tables match Rowan and Harper sorry Rowan and Harper Rowan and Big Show in a stairs match Luke Harper and uh, Dolph Ziggler in a ladder match that should be that should steal the show and at the same time Bray Wyatt versus uh, uh, Bray Wyatt versus Dean Ambrose in the TLC match so well, again, a lot to look forward to. I'm interested. Obviously, there's some uh, some points that we'll get into as we go through the show. But uh, let's move into our other news of the week, powered by CoolWrestlingNews.com. Uh, hit us up with all this news, Aaron. Well, apparently, TNA debuted their new logo, new logo, and a, and a new uh, time slot for their reboot on Destination America. Well, yep. They, uh, Dixie Carter unveiled the new logo. It's kind of a, a lot slimmer. Um, the, the fonts different, all that. So I thought, and a lot of people were kind of backlashing on this new logo. I kind of dig it. I think it's a new cool look. Um, and also they'll be debuting on a new night, Friday nights. They're, uh, now this is a little confusing for some people, but their, their official debut is Wednesday, January 7th. That's their debut. Then okay. they, every week after that, they're going to be debuting on Friday. So for that, that week they'll be on Wednesday and then the next week they'll be on Friday. So they're actually, when you think about it, and it's kind of a little silly when you think about it, um, they're going to be de- debuting on a Wednesday, and then they're going to have to go a week and almost a half a week uh, until their next episode, which kind of is a momentum, especially if that first episode's great. It'll kind of cut down their momentum a little bit, you know. You know, Instead of having a weekly thing, they'll a week and a half instead of you know one week. So I think that's a little odd. Um, I, I don't know why they just don't debut on a Friday night, but... That's neither here nor there. Do you do you think that this will change Teenage Fortune in any way? You know, changing to Friday nights, new logo, new branding, all that. Well, um, it's 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 too early to tell, I guess. But I, I, I think SmackDown's still staying on Friday, aren't they? Or they they're even moving to Thursdays, aren't they? Yeah, and it's starting in 20, the same week. The same week uh, TNA goes to Friday, they move to Thursday. Well, there are, are they are they unopposed in regards to pro wrestling on Fridays now. I think that means they're completely unopposed. So, the worst thing that they can do is go head head with WWE. I mean, I think they they need to avoid that at all costs. They tried that many years ago on Monday nights when Hogan and Bischoff were running TNA, and it just died a death. Like you shouldn't do the the audience. Like pro wrestling isn't hot right now, and the worst thing you can do is divide an audience on one day. So, listen, I, I send the new logo. You can go to prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. Uh, you can go to the, the our Facebook page and check it out because it's up there. Really good. Yeah, I, I like it. It's slick. It's nice. Uh, at the end of the day, there's a lot. There's a lot of good stuff on TNA. A lot of good talent. And like right now, Bobby Lashley versus uh, Bobby Roode is it was a good feud to end uh, their run on Spike TV, and it's and, and it should lead into a, a nice little tie-in to keep you interested. I mean, I loved Bobby Lashley's last appearance on the show, and I think it was great. And um, again, yeah, we've got Bobby Lashley, you've got James Storm, you've got Bobby Roode, you've got the. the the Wolves, I think, still there, and the Hardys uh, come in, they come and go. I, I, there's a lot of good stuff right now in TNA, and I, I wish them all the best. Uh, uh, I, I would definitely be tuning in somehow. Well, we're going to see if we... Like, I, I think, Aaron, you can get it, and if uh, mm-hmm. the websites that I use to... The illegal websites. 
if they are able to publish it, I will try and uh, return uh, good or TNA awful to our, our run sheet, but we'll see what happens with that. Uh, well, I, well, I just want to make a quick, a quick point. Um, you know, a lot of people are kind of bashing that, you know, Destination America doesn't have that, obviously doesn't have the viewership that Spike TV does, um, and that their audience would be cut by a third. But some people seem to forget that Destination America is, is obviously not a famous or, or, or big-time network. But they're, they're chomping at the bit to have a wrestling show that can garner half a million people uh, you know, some, something along those lines. This will be their prime. This will be their selling point, Destination America. This will be their their pie in the sky. So a lot of people are saying, "Oh, well, it's not going to last. They're going to Destination America is probably going to get rid of them soon after their contracts up." That's actually not the, the case because Destination America would kill to have a wrestling show that garners about half a million, maybe more, um, views a week and. Uh, Discovery Channel uh, that owns Destination America is going to Netflix soon anyway, so that might okay. mean that TNA Wrestling will be produced on Netflix. So that that's a huge bump in in viewership as far as being able to be available on Netflix as well. The, the future looks good. I mean, yeah, if you put it that way, that's that's true. I mean, I think. Uh, this is the year. well next year is going to be the year to really kind of change things up for TNA and and uh, there's a lot of changes going on uh, outside WWE. I mean there's a lot of pressure really for WWE to start performing because we've got Global Force Wrestling on the rise. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this t- this new move uh, kind of reinvigorates the product and and gets a, uh, and somehow maintains their audience. I think it's all about ma- maintaining what they've got right now and building later on. So uh, if they can keep uh, doing this shit, they should be fine. Um, in other news, Undertaker's uh, return has been uh, has been rumored as well this week, and in WrestleMania 31 opponent as well. Yeah, um, apparently there's been a bunch of sightings of uh, Undertaker on a bunch of WrestleMania 31 production trucks and buses and stuff like that. So um, everyone's kind of buzzing. And then PW Insider had a big report that apparently as of right now, Bray Wyatt is his um, rumored opponent. As of right now, obviously that those plans are subject to change, like everything in WWE. Um, but as of right now, they're thinking about going with Taker versus Bray Wyatt. But one key piece of information that everyone has to remember, The Undertaker has not confirmed that he's coming back for WrestleMania 31. As of right now, he, he hasn't let WWE know what he's going to do. Um, and that, that decision usually comes around Royal Rumble even later sometimes. So um, we just have to wait on that. But right now, they're planning on going with Bray Wyatt versus The Undertaker. That makes me a happy fan. If they can uh, if they can do that and continue that momentum, uh, that'd be fantastic. I think it'd be great. Um, again, like we'll have to see. If, I, I just saw a photo of the Undertaker that was uh, put up on the, on the internet like last night. Guy's looking old. He's looking really, really old. And but at the same time, we are talking about the Undertaker here. We're not talking about someone else. We're talking about this guy who somehow has got better as he's got older. I mean, like his last. Uh, although, although you know. Everyone thinks, oh, we saw Brock Lesnar, and like we saw that match against Brock Lesnar, and it was, it was horrible. We had to realize that guy had was fighting through a concussion. Take that into consideration and watch that match, and just he's that was an incredible performance. And before that, we had Punk. Before that, we had Shawn Michaels. Before that, we had Triple H. So this guy can still, I guess, can still go when the time's right. And Bray Wyatt, and you know, he's hungry, chomping at the bit, and obviously, you know, going off that podcast that Vince McMahon did with Steve Austin, he. 
he's he's liked by the management. So you know, um, that's why I'm I'm predicting he's going to beat Dean Ambrose uh, this Sunday at, at TLC. But obviously, we'll find out later on. So yeah, big news coming out for WrestleMania 31. I'll be happy because I'll be there live in uh, in uh, San Jose, California, and I can't wait. It should be good. Uh, All right, let me also, let me pose this yeah, question. Let me pose this question to you though. Um, who wins this match? I'd say Bray Wyatt. Really? You, that, you'd have the Undertaker lose two WrestleManias in a row. Well, he's but Aaron, he's he's won for the last like what twenty two. I know, but doesn't 22? that like? I just can't see Bray Wyatt beating Taker for two WrestleMania. Like, I, I just can't imagine Taker losing twice in a row. I can't imagine Taker coming out and losing again. Like, I just, I don't see, like, I'm trying to imagine it right now, and I just can't see it. Like, that's why I think, and a lot of people want Sting versus Taker. I think Bray Wyatt versus Taker would be a much better match from bell to bell. But we're not going to get Taker, that. I would, yeah, I know. We're, we're not, not getting it, but I'm saying, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, I think Bray and Taker would be amazing. I think their, their promos would be great. I think everything leading up to it would be great. But, you know, I just don't know if Taker loses twice in a row. Well, you know, I think that's the allure of this match again. It's like we don't know who's going to win. What a novel concept, you know. Like, it's, it shouldn't be predictable. <laughs> you know, like, all these matches where we can just, like, you know, on Raw where they just happen, it's like, oh, it's a pecking order match. So, okay, this guy's hard and this guy is going to lose. But in this situation, it's, who knows? He, he's yeah. hoping that we see it. Um also, uh, one one uh, big thing we haven't even noticed or we haven't even talked about is that Sam Punk has joined UFC. If you didn't know, if you somehow like uh, have been like on a deserted island for the last like week and don't have the internet, yeah, Sam Punk has signed with UFC. It completely just almost like crashed the internet when the uh, news broke over the over this week. Uh, Aaron, this guy, like, I I spent this whole two hours listening to. His podcast with Cole Cabana. I spent it all hearing about his injuries, about these 13 concussions that were undiagnosed, and how he's a broken man physically. And now he's stepping into the one of the most violent and most vicious combat sports in the world, and he's going straight to the top in the UFC. Is this man crazy or what? I don't know. It just doesn't make much sense to me. It just didn't make much sense, and I think. You know, and last week we said we wouldn't talk any more punk, but this obviously yeah, we talked about. But you know, after this, I promise this will be no, there will be no more CM Punk talk in this podcast. <laughs> after after this, after today, that's it. But let me just comment <laughs> and say that this man is such a hypocrite. It's it's just it blows my mind. You know, he complains about the injuries. He complains about oh, I was so hurt and no one cared, and oh, and Vince would always rush me back, and I was so hurt all the time, and now you're going to go get your face punched for a, as a living. That, you're going to go get punched in the face, kicked in the ribs. You know, he's complaining about Ryback kicking him in the ribs on purpose. Well, now you're going to have people trying to kick you in the ribs on purpose. So it, it just doesn't make much sense to me. If he's so, if he was so concerned about his health, I don't really understand this. I mean, I understand that the difference between WWE's schedule of 300 days a week, uh, um, I keep saying a week, 300 days a year, yeah. you know, every night. I, I understand that UFC is a little different. You have one or two fights a year. But still, I, I think it all adds up. Getting punched in the face for real and getting punched in the face fake, you know, a couple, uh, you know, every other night, I, I think they kind of balance each other out. So, I don't know. It just it doesn't make much sense to me. And 
he comes across a little bit of a hypocrite in this situation for me at least. Well, it's, it makes sense business-wise. I mean, he's going to make a ton of money from his first fight. I'll be probably getting his first fight just to, just to, just curiosity. He's going to kill me and try and, like, you know, make sure that I see this fight. And it's it's, it's going to be something to see, that's for sure. It's just kind of surreal hearing him, hearing him on Fox Sports this week talking. Uh, he had this long interview, and he's talking about, oh, you know, I like to roll around the mat sometimes. I'm friends with Hannah Gracie, and he's shown me a few things. It's like this guy's like a—he's like—he's not just doing like prelim stuff. He's going straight to the main, the main, the main show, and he's—he's he's rolled around on mats. It's like anyway. And he's getting—he's getting a bunch of criticism from guys that have been trying to get in the UFC, and a lot of people are just saying that he's getting in just because of publicity from WWE. Dana White's looking for, you know, a money grab, and I—I can't—I can't argue with that, honestly. He—he's an amazing character. He's gonna he's gonna talk everyone into the building like he has in WWE. He's a great character to have in UFC. Very similar to Chael Sonnen. Uh, you need those kind of characters in UFC because right now you know there's no one except for John Jones and Chris Weidman and, and maybe a few others. Very very few. There's not many people people that are uh, relatable in the mass market yeah. for UFC. I'm like, hey, they've got CM Punk now. I'm like, worst case scenario, you know, the guy can talk and maybe he'll go into an announcing job afterwards. But time will tell. Uh, moving on. But, you know, that's that's it for CM Punk, by the way. We're done with CM Punk. Hopefully, good luck to him. Yeah. Obviously, we'll, yeah, we'll, we, we might talk about it when he actually fights. But until then, let's move on to some pro wrestling stuff. Uh, Alberto de Rio has signed with Ring of Honor as of this week, and we're appearing on some of the shows. Uh, what is, what's all the details? What's going on? Um, so as of right now, he's booked for four shows. Um, all three shows, First, the first of his three shows will all be in January, and then he's booked for the 13th anniversary show um, in March. So I, I don't really understand the, the, the contract details haven't been really explained. Um, I think he's just signing for, you know, to, to do some dates. I don't know if he's signing like a contract to be um, strictly ROH talent because he has a bunch of other bookings. He's, he's with AAA. He's a AAA champion now. So um, I don't think it's that kind of contract, but I think he signed to a bunch of dates. So he, he signed to um, a bunch of stuff in January and then in March. So um, big pickup for ROH. I mean, you know, Alberto Rio is a big time star and, and then that's a big time signing. There's, so much going on in the independent circuit right now. Um, you know, a lot of guys are just chomping at the bit to get uh, to get noticed. And Alberto Dario is another one of them. He's a tri- he's now the AAA World Champion as well. And that's I'm happy for him. You know, like uh, one thing I've noticed in a lot of these podcasts that I've been listening during the week, a lot of people hold Alberto Dario in very very high regard. Um, I was I was a, was a little bit critical of like he, he could have been more, but he only he pretty much reached the glass ceiling of where he could be, and hey, Ring of Honor, it definitely fits his style. Um, I, I'm looking forward to some of these uh, combina- the combination of matches that we're going to see out of Ring of Honor. Maybe against you know AJ Styles somewhere down the line, Matt Seidel. That's going to be really really good stuff. And yeah, it's it's going to be very very interesting to see how it goes. So congratulations, Alberto Dario for landing a very important contract with Ring of Honor. Now let's just move straight into the Raw Rundown because we've got a little bit to get through this week. For those who don't know, this week we have the Slammies. Did it make a difference in the show? Absolutely not. No, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we might as well get the awards, Aaron. 
out of the way. Uh, the major awards. There was a ton of awards that may, meant absolutely nothing. But uh, give us a very quick rundown of the awards. Um, well, the top three awards were uh, Diva of the Year, Superstar of the Year, and Match of the Year. Um, Diva of the Year this week was eight, uh, or this year was AJ Lee. Um, I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, you know, she's she's been she was the longest reigning Divas champion coming out of WrestleMania 30. Uh, you know, she has her feud with Paige. I mean, as good as the Divas division was, eh, I guess you know, I guess she she deserves that 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 crown. I guess. Yeah, I mean. What can you say? Um, all these all these uh, awards were fan vote orientated, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. And when it comes down to it, I guess AJ Lee was the fundamental choice that was true, I guess. I don't know. Like, this is the Demons division. To be honest, some, some weeks I kind of just skip through these matches. And I, I'm sure that the, some, of the, some of the girls work hard, but it's nothing compared to what... Uh, what uh, NXT is doing down in Full Sail University, and it's just like, yeah, whatever. I guess, you know, AJ was fine. Yeah, um, as far as match of the year, uh, there were a bunch of different candidates, but uh, Team Cena versus Team Authority at Survivor Series this year won that award. Um, I couldn't disagree more. I think that match, you know, all in all was okay, but uh, to win match of the year, I thought was was really puzzling for me. I would have went with uh, Daniel Bryan versus Triple H, or even Daniel Bryan versus Batista versus Randy Orton, just on impact factor alone. The fact that they even have um, Daniel Bryan versus Triple H, I mean, it's like, what? Really? That match was, like, excellent. And it was the opener. And it was everything that we expected that match to be and more. I, mean, I wasn't even on the list. I just, it just boggles my mind why that wasn't the case. Uh, but uh, it is what it is, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's the Slammies. It's going to be something that's yeah, going to be forgotten sure. in the next like few weeks. But before that, you know, like what, what was the superstar of the year? Uh, superstar of the year, Roman Reigns, and that you know, this um, the the Slammy Awards was debated, like you said, of uh, being legit or being rigged. A, a lot of conflicting reports, like PW Insider said they were 100% legit. Other news, you know, sites were saying that they weren't. So. Um, there's a little bit of you know of something that we don't really know obviously is if they were legit or not, um, but some say that this one was definitely rigged because Roman Reigns just happened to be backstage of course and um, you know he won Superstar of the Year when a lot of people thought maybe someone like uh, Brock Lesnar should have won or Seth Rollins. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, I think there's a lot of other. I think the whole list of the nominees, uh, there's so many good, good guys that kind of like st- stood up and and let themselves be known. And you know, Roman Reigns deserves to be on that list. Does he deserve to win? Yeah, I just I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. Um, but you know, it it is what it is. As I've said with this whole like awards thing, um, it's something that they should definitely do. If they've rigged it, this is one that they should. If they're going to build to him taking the championship at WrestleMania 31, which I think is still the still the plan. Everything's kind of pointing towards that. All these appearances have kind of pointed towards uh, him being the champion. So um, this is the logical step to kind of do it. Uh, it makes for good storytelling later on. You know, I, I'm very interested to see what they're going to do. Go with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns need to get, needs to get back in the ring ASAP, though. He's running out of time. He needs to get his stuff together because, uh, you know, while he's been off, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, 
And to a lesser degree, Bray Wyatt have kind of like, you know, stepped up and trying to run with the ball as much as they can in WWE. But let's just get into the rest of this show. Okay, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. And uh, I think uh, Aaron knows what, exactly what I'm going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. We've had this amazing NXT TakeOver Our Evolution show that aired on Thursday. Excellent. Top to bottom, excellent. Now, Charlotte, the NXT Divas Champion, came on to Raw to plug and promote the, the, the special coming up on the network. So she was not only representing the brand, but she was also re- representing the WWE Network and being a selling point for the WWE Network. They put up against Natalia, which is easily one of Charlotte's best opponents. And she wrestled in the Carolinas uh, on Monday night. So she's in Flair country. She's, you know, her, her father, Ric Flair, made, made the Carolinas what it is in regards to pro wrestling. She's wrestling against Natalia. The stars were aligned, and I thought this is going to be fantastic. This is, like, you know, they're going to give this, these girls time, you know. And obviously, they're going to put Charlotte over. We didn't get that. What we got was a five... I think in five minute match, which I don't even know who booked this match, who laid out this match, but it was completely not the Charlotte that we remember in, in NXT. None of her signature moves were there. She just she, she kept up with Natalia, and then the crux of this, Natalia just rolled it up from Pinder, rolled it up from Pinder like any other geek on the roster. Now I've heard other people come out this week and go, oh, you know, you know, there's a pecking order in WWE. They're on the, they're on the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the supplemental roster. They're developmental. They shouldn't be beating WWE stars. This is Natalia we're talking about. This is someone that, who, who's been a valet more than she's been a wrestler. This is someone that's been beaten to death over and over and over again on WWE television. This is someone like, you know, that is completely seen as a job. Well, she's not completely seen as a job, but she's just, she's nothing in regards to the Divas division. She should be something, but she's not. To have Natalia just beat her like she's nothing. Aaron, I like Ben's point, point of view. How could you see this situation and think, oh, I cannot wait to see NXT take over this week? Well, let me um, let me play devil's advocate for the person that's listening and th- let's say disagrees disagrees with you. So, this is one of the points that someone made to me this week, saying in t- four months or three months, when she does eventually debut on the roster, will we even remember this? Now, you know, maybe we won't, but I think the casual fan will say, "Hey, wasn't that wasn't that the that Charlotte girl that lost to Natalia that time or whatever?" I, I don't believe that people won't remember. And plus, another good point that you didn't bring up was, if people don't remember, Charlotte beat Natalia to win the women's championship in NXT. She's the one that she beat her before. So just because they're on Raw now, Charlotte's not allowed to beat her. Like that doesn't make much sense to me. So I'm completely with you. I, I thought she should have won. I thought, uh, you know. They're trying to sell the network. They're trying to sell NXT. They're trying to sell Are they the trying to sell, sell the network? Are they? I, how I can would it think. <laughs> like, uh, like, is that the main goal here? Because uh, from the casual point of view, I'll just be watching this going, oh, it's just another, just another random person. And it wasn't just, a, it's the fact that she's a champion. Like, like, uh, I'm going to be writing an article on this. So I'm going to go into detail, but like, enough is enough. Like, like I've watched 
week after week, I've watched Raw and I've watched all these dumb, stupid finishes where they're just drilling home the fact that wins and losses and now finishes mean absolutely nothing in 2014. That's painful enough to see. But now they're just showing an absolutely uh, inability to promote their own their own positive things on this brand. NXT is is a shining gem compared to all the stuff that's going on WWE right now. And they can't even promote that well. And they can't even promote that right. I I don't even know what the hell they were thinking of. And like after Charlotte got rolled up, they they, they cut to her and she's just got this blank face. She looked like an absolute loser. Like I don't even know how anyone could get into that. Sick of it. I'm sick of this stuff. And makes me just think, what chance did these these poor people who are busting their asses on, on NXT? What chance did they have to to do anything? Well, obviously they're going to do something on the main roster, but when there's such a disconnect between NXT and WWE, like what chance do they do these people have to kind of capitalize on the great momentum that they've got from NXT? Uh, I, that's the question, and you know, um, PW, PWP contributed tofu. Um, on Thursday made this point that, you know, he, he's, he hasn't gotten into NXT because he understands that once they get up to the main roster, uh, they're, com- they're treated completely different and they're, they're different characters. He made a point about Big E and, and when Big E was in, um, in NXT, he was the champion. He was, he had a whole gimmick, the five gimmick and the powder. And, you know, like they, you know, and once he got to the main roster, they kind of went away with the five gimmick they kind of went away from the powder. Now he's in this gimmick with, with a new day. So there's that disconnect where, uh, you know, when, when a fan gets invested into, uh, into a character in NXT, and then they come up to the main roster and they just fizzle out. So that's something they have to fix because it, they can't keep doing it over and over again to all these different th- these different stars that have come up, like Bo Dallas that has completely gone away. And, he's you know, of course he's hurt now, but even before he got hurt, he was, he was fizzling away into nothing, so they've got to fix that because they can't continue to do it with these new this new talent. And at the same time, someone someone will say, "Oh, but Joel, Aaron, they're not re- they're not reaching that brass ring." It works both ways, you know. Like, like you, they need to be promoted well and and, and and nurtured well on made on television for this to take place, but. I mean, let's just go straight to one of the positives of Raw. At least Bray, Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose has been has been has been solid. It has been amazing, but it's been solid. It's it's full of energy. It's full of emotion. I can't I, I can't argue with that. And the payoff's going to be good. So you know, at least Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose are kind of hitting their mark in that regard. Yeah, I think that they've been. I actually think the feud's been really good. I think one of the proponents of this feud not being good. Some people are kind of saying oh, I expected so much more from this feud. I think it honestly has to do with the rest of the roster and the rest of the show. I think once you get into the show and it's just slow and boring and it's just been it's been awful the last month or so, it kind of takes away from anything that's been good, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, once somebody's not interested anymore in Raw or, or just kind of wants to go to sleep, and then you bring out Wyatt and, and Dean Ambrose that are actually performing really well and, and telling a really good story. It takes away from their story. It takes away from their feud. It takes away from, from everything they're doing. So I actually think this feud's been really good. I liked the, the ambulance touch on Raw. I thought that was really cool. I just love this feud. I think these two have had the best feud of the month, and that's not really saying much, but um, I think that they, they've done a really good job. I hope this match 
this feud closes the show this Sunday, but I think we all know better, and I think we'll see, uh, you know, Seth Rollins and John Cena close the show, but I really hope they give Wyatt and Ambrose the spotlight on Sunday. I actually think they might close the show, actually. It's a TLC match, for God's sake. The pay-per-view yeah. is called TLC. I think it's, I think that's what's going to happen. They they deserve it. They really do deserve it. And I think the, the mentality is definitely going to be, but at least in that match, especially, they're going to be like, let's show these NXT fuckers that we're serious. And I think that's what's going to happen. And I, I look forward to it. And listen, there's a lot of logic holes in, in this Ambrose view. Like, you know, the guy apparently got a bruised trachea uh, on SmackDown due to Bray Wyatt attacking him. And he's like, you know, uh, a good example, I, I listen to Wrestling Observer uh, every single week, and uh, they have a show called The Brian and Vinny Show on that show, on uh, Wrestling Observer. Really good, solid, uh, week, like, it's really good, solid website for, like, audio content, or, like, daily audio content. And they're talking about uh, the same, uh, he, apparently, Dean Ambrose suffered the same injury as Ricky the Dragon Steamboat did on his uh, road to wrestling Macho Man Randy Savage at WrestleMania 3. And they're talking about. Like, do you know anything about this? Uh, this Aaron, do you know anything about this feud? I don't. Uh, explain. Go ahead. Okay. Cool. Well, the whole thing is that uh, the lead up to WrestleMania three, that uh, epic uh, Intercontinental Championship match that we saw, uh, that everyone talks about as the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, was started when uh, Macho Man attacked uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on Saturday Night's main event, and dropped a ring bell from the top rope onto Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's throat and made it him unable to talk. He, he was off he was off television. Guess how long he was off television for? One oh sorry, no, six months. Six months he was off television. Completely gone. This injury they was trying to sell the injury uh, and there's all, all these really great little vignettes where he's he's, he's with the speech th- uh, therapist and they're trying to get him to say things and he's getting frustrated. He can't speak. He's with his wife and all that stuff. It's just like they're building up all these like this injury angle and when he finally comes to WrestleMania and obviously we know that he wins the championship and gets his revenge. But it's really funny because Dean Ambrose got the same injury and he's back the next week. And and not, not only that, he's talking. But, you know, like, obviously, I don't want to ruin this because it's probably the best thing WWE's got going on going on right now. But, obviously, before we end Raw, we got Eric Rome versus Luke Harper just thrown out there for no reason to build to other feuds, not to something between the two. Again, it comes down to promotion. Like, I know you're a big Eric Rowan fan, but wouldn't you have loved to see Eric Rowan versus Luke Harper headline, or not headline, but be part of a pay-per-view or Royal Rumble coming up next next month? I just hate that they have made contact. Even I, I even didn't really like it during the Survivor Series um, build-up with those two. I think this feud could have been so good, and it still can be, but it's taken away a little bit of the luster as far as you know them making contact with each other. You know, and, and I think they could have saved this feud for even WrestleMania. I mean, I, I don't see why you couldn't have Luke Harper, Eric Rowan for the IC title um, during WrestleMania. So I just, I'm a little sad because you, you know my love for Eric Rowan and the, and the character. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought, I thought Luke Harper versus Eric Rowan could have been really good. And the match ended. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, they could still re- like revisit it later on. But this match ended, and you guessed, a DQ finish. They ended with a DQ finish. 
out of nowhere for no reason. And it's like, why even put these guys in a match together if you're in a situation where one of the guys can't win? It's another thing, you know, like these stupid finishes where they have like, they have all these, like, you know, oh, we're going to put Seth Rollins up against uh, John Cena, but we don't want to beat John Cena and we don't want to beat Seth Rollins. So we're just going to just do this lame DQ finish. And this was another example of it. Ugh, the show, I, like, he's hoping that the road to WrestleMania is going to kick this, uh, kick this company back into gear because it needs to. Um, moving on. NXT Weekly Awards, everybody. It's a great, great week to, to be talking about NXT. Obviously, NXT takeover, our revolution, single-handedly, and this is what I'm saying, best show on the WWE 2014 calendar. I can't remember of a better show, honestly. I, I completely agree. I think, you know, from top to bottom, it was the best show besides WrestleMania. I, I think, you know, WrestleMania is a different animal. Everyone kind of, you know, separates WrestleMania from all the other pay-per-views or special events, whatever you want to call them. Um, but I think this pay-per-view or this special event does kind of match up with WrestleMania as far as, you know, just from top to bottom, great matches, great story, you know, emotion, anything a wrestling fan could want NXT TakeOver or Evolution had. So I, I commend, like I've said before, the booking team, whether it's Triple H, Dusty Rhodes, their head writers, the entire crew, the, the, the roster themselves putting on a great show. I think it was just tremendous. Exactly. Yep. Uh, but obviously, we'll get the negative out of the way first, if there is really one. I, again, it's very hard to find. But the weekly downside of the week, uh, for me, it was the Vod Villains. Uh, I just expected a lot more out of this tag team match. And I don't know, like, it's obviously, you could either choose the Lucha Dragons or the Vod Villains in this situation. But. Uh, just a very generic kind of tag team wrestling. I expected a little bit more. I expected a little bit more character through their own wrestling. Uh, I just didn't really feel like the Vaud villains did very much to separate themselves or make themselves better in the ring. I felt like this match suffered the Randy Orton Triple H syndrome from WrestleMania 25. After, you know, following Kevin Owens, you know, debut, I think it would have been really hard to put together a great match. Uh, you know, if you remember WrestleMania 25, Taker versus Sean, that match was insane. And then followed by, you know, Triple H and Orton, and the, the crowd was just dead. That's So I think That's this match, yeah, I mean, it was terrible. And, and I think this is, this kind of suffered from that. I think, you know, coming off of that insane Kevin Owens segment where the fans were just red hot and they were excited and they just got tired. <laughs> I think mean, they just wanted to relax, and they weren't really into this match all the way. Um, and I felt like, like you said, they kind of this the, the the two teams just fell flat, and there was nothing different about this match. Everything was kind of the same. Um, but my my downside of the week was Roman Reigns and his awful interview backstage. I mean, wow, uh, you know, it's I, I like Roman Reigns, I really do. You know, some are turning on him already. I like Roman Reigns. I like what he does in the ring. I liked his his promos before they sent him away for acting lessons. Or I feel like they're trying too hard to make him, you know, into a guy that can talk. You know, I liked him before when he was just aloof and was just a man of a few words, would say a couple words, would be really cool, calm, and just walk away. Now they're trying to make him into 
like this guy that's charismatic and can talk and is smiling and like they're almost trying to make him into a John Cena. So I feel like they're really making a big mistake. I liked Roman Reigns when he was calm, cool, aloof, didn't really say much, and I think they're making a big mistake with trying to kind of change him into this this role. Their mentality is very much like you know, big stars, they need to be able to talk like John Cena, they need to be able to, you know, wrestle, obviously. And uh, this talking thing, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I'm a big advocate for just people just keeping it simple. And, like, I think Roman Reigns had something where he was just, like, his ass kicker and all that stuff. Yeah. But, uh, I have faith that I have faith that he could do something, though. I've seen his natural charisma come through in a lot of other things, uh, interviews and whatnot. And I think he's got it somewhere, but, you know, yeah, on this show, yeah, definitely was completely out of place. And, uh yeah, and besides, like I don't think he, he's going to be the he's not he's not the first NXT alumni to to potentially win the championship. Daniel Bryan was. <laughs> Daniel Bryan was an NXT, NXT uh, uh, alumni, and he won the championship this year. So way to forget that. But anyway, uh, the up and comer of the week uh, for me. It's a no brainer, really, when it came down to up and comer of the week. I mean, it was Sasha Banks. Uh, I thought she was fantastic uh, in a match against Charlotte. Completely at a point where you just thought, oh, this match is just going to be a, a nice match leading into the main event. Uh, but those those two women, especially Sasha Banks, stood up and, and gave us a hell of, hell of a performance, showing us that she's not just a, you know not just a, a larger than life character. She's actually got some good skills behind that, and I think it, even in it's one of the the, the, the tight and true kind of like situations where even in losing she looked amazing, and she didn't need to need to win the championship. They kept the championship on uh, Charlotte as they should, but Sasha Banks man blew me away. I, I completely agree. I thought she was really good. I think she came across really well even in losing. So uh, I commend her and Charlotte for an amazing wrestling match, not just a women's match, an amazing wrestling match. Um, oh, yeah. My up of the week was Kevin Owens. I think Owens, you know, really made a big impact as far as his debut and, of course, the end where he turned on Sami Zayn. I think um, he's obviously got to be my up-and-comer of the week. I thought he looked really good against C.J. Parker. I thought he looked intense. Um, even though the blood was... Um, an accident. I think it really added to his his debut. I mean, he, you know, that lasting shot of him beating C.J. Parker and then kind of looking into the camera with the blood and all that. I thought it was just really cool. Um, and I thought Kevin Owens came across really good. Kevin Owens, yes, he was fantastic. They, uh, everything a squash match should have been, everything uh, an impactful first debut it should have been. Up into the card, obviously. If you don't know by now, yes, Kevin Owens turned on his best mate, uh, Sami Zayn. Uh, moments after Sami Zayn won the NXT Championship, and uh, yeah, you you picked it, and I I didn't think it was going to happen, but Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. What was that again? Say that again. Uh, you're right, man. You're 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 oh, right. right. Thank you. <laughs> You, you're usually right on a lot of things, and I should t- I should listen to you more, Aaron. That's what I should just do. But uh, NXT's MVP of the week, uh, Sami Zayn for me. Uh, a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. That finish to that world championship match on NXT was a thing of beauty. Uh, if, if for anything else, that finish was just 
oh, it nailed everything that was great about pro wrestling. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, who haven't seen this this pay per view, first of all, I, I, sorry, a network special. First of all, I don't know what the hell you're doing. Stop listening to us right now. Watch it and then come back and listen to us. I'll actually listen to our post show, but I'll, I'll give some exa- I'll give some more information about that in a second. But Sami Zayn. This finish, right? The whole story has been he doesn't have, he doesn't have the stomach to do what is necessary to win the championship, uh, whilst okay, uh, you know Neville's used some questionable tactics. At the end of this match, refs down, championships in the ring, and this moment where he looks at this championship belt and goes, "Do I hit Neville with it? Do I actually show everyone that I've got that killer instinct?" I honestly thought he was going to do it. And there was going to be a heel turn for that one second. The crowd was going ballistic, saying, no, 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 no. They sold it, sold it, sold it. And Sami Zayn selling this conflicted, uh, raw emotion in his face just made that finish incredible. Obviously, he didn't use the belt, stayed true to his morals, stayed true to to him being the greatest baby face in WWE right now and a new champion due to his own upstanding morals. That finish was incredible. Absolutely. I mean, I completely agree. I thought the story he told, and the, the cool thing about that moment was he held it for so long. I mean, yeah, it wasn't just yep. like quickly yep. holding it and then like, you know, threw it away or something. He held it, he held it for a good minute or so. I mean, he, he really oh, yeah. extended oh, yeah. that, that little that part of that match. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I knew you were going to pick Sami Zayn as your MVP. So I decided to go with Adrian Neville because, you know, I want to give both guys yep. a lot of love. Oh, and, yeah. You know, Adrian Neville, man, he exudes what NXT main eventer or WWE main eventer or wrestling main eventer is. He came out like a champion. He looked like a champion with the title around his waist. He just looked the part, and I thought that was really good for somebody that who's a smaller guy, you know, really proving that he can be um, a main event caliber you know, superstar. And I thought he came across really well. I thought he just added to Sami Zayn's amazing win. I thought, I loved that they shook hands or hugged at the end of this match. I really, I just loved everything about Adrian Neville's part in this match. And Sami Zayn, man, this is feud of the year for me. I mean, you know, the authority versus Daniel Bryan was great, you know, but this is it. I mean, this was the feud of the year when it comes to, just complete emotion and story and, and just making sense. And it was, it was incredible. Yep. Completely and utterly agree. Great stuff. Yep. NXT takeover our evolution. Uh, we did a post show, uh, straight after, um, NXT our evolution that, uh, that you can check out, uh, via, uh, pwp.com or you can check it out, uh, on, our, on the PWP uh, Facebook page. Uh, we had some really great discussion there and uh, you can check it out on our Twitter at, at Wrestling R Break, that's mine, and uh, at Aaron underscore PWP if you want to check out that post show. And uh, NXCR Evolution, check it out, guys. It was amazing. Now we're going to move on to something that wasn't as good, SmackDown. The mm-hmm. show, it was, yeah, it was all right. I mean, like, you know what? It's actually all right for SmackDown. We had some good stuff, and I think for the first few segments, it was actually quite good. Uh, obviously, I'm just going to go through the good. This is why we, we do it. We did the good of SmackDown. We did the bad of SmackDown. Uh, we'll go pretty quickly here, though. The uh, good of SmackDown. I mean, Seth Rollins delivered a very well-done go-home promo, trying desperately to make us care about this tables match. And for the most part, any other time, 
you know, like actually, you know, this time definitely, I, I, I was, I was intrigued. I, I loved his delivery. I thought it was full of passion and vitriol, and he was spewing out, like, like standing up to Cena, and, and he really did feel like this is like an, it might be the changing of the guard. I mean, uh, well, I guess it's not going to be the changing of the guard because it's John Cena, and John, there's no other John Cena's in WWE right now. But at the same time, you know, like Seth Rollins did a great job of making me believe that this is going to be a big deal on Sunday, and I, I can't fault him for that. Uh, I thought the promo was incredible. I thought we and it, and it it really was something we haven't really seen from Seth Rollins. I mean, he's he's cut some good promos, but I think a lot of that was his own his own stuff. I think a lot of that was um, you know his own you know thoughts and his ideas and his his real feelings toward John Cena as far as you know being the top guy. And I thought John Cena's response back was pretty good as well. And something that maybe a lot of people didn't catch, but um, as John Cena was talking, Seth Rollins was mouthing uh, the same old stuff. You're saying the same old stuff, John. And it was, I, I thought that was something small that I picked up on. That I, I really thought was really good by Seth Rollins kind of um, adding to this, to that little, um, you know, discussion between the two. So, you know, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, and one thing people have to remember, after Daniel Bryan won the world title for WrestleMania 30, I, I truly believe that John Cena was on his way to becoming an enhancement main eventer as far as trying to just put over young guys and build stars. I truly believe that because he was in a feud with Bray Wyatt, and we'll talk about that a little bit in the spotlight segment later on. But, you know, a lot of people bash Cena for being in the spotlight and bearing talent and all that stuff. And I know we're getting a little bit off track, but I just wanted to bring up, you know, a lot of people have to remember he was on his way to becoming an enhancement main event talent, putting over young guys. But then, of course, Daniel Bryan got hurt, and they had to hit the reset button. So we just have to remember this year could have been looked a lot different for John Cena um, if Daniel Bryan um, would have stayed healthy. Because I truly believe Daniel Bryan, if he stayed healthy, would have held the title all the way until SummerSlam, um, eventually would have lost to Lesnar, and then we probably would have gotten Cena uh, versus Lesnar for a couple months. But we all have to remember that, you know, John Cena, you know, love him or hate him, the guy, you know, is slowly starting to put over talent, slowly starting to to understand that his time is, is expiring and his time is ending. So uh, I just wanted to give some props to John Cena as far as that's concerned. Uh, I'll give my two cents about the whole enhancement thing when we get to the spotlight question because I've got a little something I want to say in regards to that. But the uh, rest of the SmackDown, uh, Miz and Mizdow versus the Usos is probably the best. Actually, I, I stand corrected, Aaron. Like we were talking about Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt. This storyline is probably the best storyline WWE's got right now. It's so good. I love it. I think it, it's it's so well done. Uh, for those who don't know, obviously, Miz and Mizdow got the tag team championship match. They're going to be def- defending their titles against the Usos. And Miz is playing mind games with uh, the Usos and playing, uh, kind of uh, throwing out his uh, Hollywood contacts to try and allure his uh, Jimmy Uso's wife, Naomi, you know, uh, obviously, to come join them. And th- there's this whole like mind game thing that Miz is doing. You don't know if he's being serious, you don't know if he's not. Uh, Try and get them out of, the, out of the game for the for the championship. It's great. It's really really good stuff. And SmackDown had some really good segments in regards to that. Uh, just playing off uh, uh, this, this whole storyline. And this is what I want for my mid card feuds. I want something like this up and down the card for everything. I think it, it, 
like I, I, uh, during the during the year, I think they had really had something going on in regards to that structure. I really felt everything kind of had a purpose. All these matches had a purpose. Obviously, the back end of 2014 hasn't been the same, but it is what it is. But uh, anyway, uh, the bad of SmackDown for me it was the Ascension. Uh, this, this obviously the Ascension the debut. Well, it didn't debut, but their vignette, the first ever vignette, debuted. It was like watching. From my point of view, it was like watching like a toy commercial for like Ascension action figures. That's what I thought. It was just, it was obviously not what I thought. I, I wasn't expecting this kind of like, it was just very corny as far as I'm concerned. Great for kids, but that's about it for me. Hmm. Uh, I think, I don't think Bill Shan's going to take that very well, uh, Joel, but. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought it was great. I, I, I thought it was a nice, a good promo. Um, usually when we see people kind of come up, especially like the Bray Wyatt stuff we saw um, last year in 2013, um, I, felt, I think when people come up, WWE likes to kind of put some mystery and mystique behind it and, you know, just throw out a couple of vignettes that don't really mean anything. It's just like, you know, with Bray Wyatt, there was, you know, just him in the woods and there was really no... Introduction for, for for Bray Wyatt. You can't compare. You can't no, compare no, the not. Ascension to Bray Wyatt's, which was just different level of awesome. But anyway. No, I know. I'm just saying in general, when WWE debuts or or brings back, you know, somebody, it's a lot of you know hints and clues, and you've got to kind of guess who it is. I like that they kind of just presented the two guys. You know, and they explained what they're going to do. They explained they're the ascension, they're going to rise, and all that stuff. And I think that that's a good move by them because they're not insulting our intelligence. They're not saying we're going to present these guys and no one's going to know who these guys are. You know, it's going to be a mystery. You know, people are watching NXT; they know who these guys are for the most part. Um, so I'm glad they did something a little different when it comes to uh, vignettes and promos. And I, I thought it was a good promo. I thought they introduced themselves really well. I like the um, the little changes they made from the NXT guys to now with some of the face paint um, and the new kind of the new gear they have on. I, I just thought it was, I, I, I'm a big fan of the Ascension. I like their tag team run and I, I like what they do. I know you're not a big fan of them, but I'm excited for their uh, eventual debut. Yeah, they're just they're just a tag team as as far as I'm concerned. They just it's just meh. they've never ever hit it out of the park. The closest they came to was uh, in that match in their NXT Takeover R Evolution match this week against uh, Hideo Itami and Finn Balor. I thought they had the the best match of their careers. Every single time I've seen them, they've just they've just been there. They haven't done anything that's just been blown me away. You know, like what they do a high they do a high low. Tag team finisher. It's fine. It, I honestly, hey, they could blow me away. They could come on the main roster and be fantastic. I hope they are. You know, like the the, the better they are, the better it is for the product. So uh, that was SmackDown. Everybody, you know, besides a, a an original blatant plug for TLC in the main event, where we had tables, letters, and chairs just around the ring for no reason. Uh, yeah. It was a pretty pretty eh, episode of SmackDown with a with a few good. Promos thrown in there to boot. So, uh, the match of the week. Uh, I think we're all, this is going to be a, a foregone conclusion for what the match of the week is going to be. I think. But give us your match of the week. 
Um, I think we can, we'll probably have the same one. So I'm going to change it up. I'm going to do an audible here. I'm going to go with... No, Star you, don't, you don't have to. You no, can just be I'm the same match. To, no, I'm, I'm oh, going oh. Um, I'm going to okay. go with Sasha and Charlotte. I think uh, for that match, you know, a lot of people expected, like, okay, an okay match. Like, oh, okay. The Divas are, or the, women's are, the women are going to perform. That's going to be great. Okay. But I felt like they really sold the show. I mean, you know, as far as Zane and, and Neville, that match was great, and you'll talk about that probably. Um, I really liked this match. I thought Charlotte and Sasha proved what wrestling can be on the main roster for, for Divas. I don't understand why we don't get it. I don't understand why yeah. Vince McMahon doesn't see this and go, why can't we put this on the main roster? You know, and I'm glad that NXT sees it and, and Triple H sees it and Dusty Rhodes sees it and all that stuff. And I hope that we can eventually get this kind of stuff on the main roster. But, you know, my hopes are high, and I'm, I'm afraid they're probably going to get crushed. So. Like I've said so many times, it's almost like pro wrestling. Traditional pro wrestling. It's almost becoming a gimmick in itself. It's, a, it's, a, it's associated with certain people, certain promotions, certain characters. The rest of it is all sports entertainment bullshit. And, uh, Hey, I hope I hope that they start giving them women on on Raw and SmackDown the pay per views. I I hope they give them fourteen, fifteen minutes and put them in the semi main. Actually, they usually get semi main, but like not put in the death position every single pay per view, and given some time. And but you know we live in hope. This, uh, with all due respect, it, like I, I did love this match. I loved it. It was great. It did it completely overachieved, but in no way shape or form was it better than Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville, which was my match of the week. Which was yours before. I don't know why you changed it, but I whatever. It is what it is. Uh, Zayn and Neville, like just on a different level of everything that you love about pro wrestling and more. Like it, it told an amazing story. The action was incredible. The crowd was hot. The post-match did so much for future business. It did so, so much for future business. We are now looking forward to the next uh, NXT Championship match, which is going to be Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn somewhere down the line. That's all about promoting your next show. Too many times do we see uh, WWE you know, not doing this up and down the car, not promoting other things outside their own one show, you know, like it's just ridiculous. And Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville was a great example of that. So that is our matches of the week. Uh, we're going to go straight into the podcast of the week, and uh, we're going to be talking. We're going to be going straight to talk is Jericho this week, Chris Jericho's podcast. And he sat down with Dean Ambrose. Now this is part one of a two-parter. I'm currently listening to part two, and it is just a hellaciously entertaining uh, take on Dean Ambrose. What makes him tick? What what goes on in that head? And uh, we're going to obviously got some excerpts, as we usually do. Uh, we're going to go straight into uh, the idea of acting and like how uh, how Hollywood, Hollywood acting and uh, pro wrestling acting kind of like match up and do they match up? So let's just have a listen to this. I think uh, I have a new kind of respect for like a new respect for what we do, especially here in WWE, because or I feel like we don't get enough credit. For, Bingo. Yeah, for... You know, because, you know, there were a lot of really good actors. A guy named uh, Roger Cross was, like, the main bad guy who's, like, a big uh, big Canadian actor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's, like, a super experienced professional actor. You know, but even guys like that and guys that have been in a lot of uh, movies and stuff, you know, they have a few lines and they got all day to, to learn them. Right. And they, then they get a hundred takes and they don't have to do anything too much physical because they got a stunt guy. 
and even the fights and stuff, you're just kind of like, you know, you're whiffing, and if anything's hard, you bring a stunt guy in, and you might have a segment. Say it's like, okay, say 14, 15, 16 starts with a promo, Jericho's talking trash, I come out, I talk some trash, somebody else comes out and says, you all have a match, we have a match, we wrestle for 15 minutes, and at the end of it, two other people come out, and they put you through a table or set you on fire and dump you off the stage or something. Yeah. So it's like we can essentially have on live television with one take uh, a bunch of dialogue. Mm-hmm. A bunch of stunts. And, and then essentially a 15-minute fight scene. Mm-hmm. And then a stunt mm-hmm. that you have to do yourself. Yes. And you have to do all of that all at the same time, all in one take. It's pro- well, it makes a good point about, like, you know, the stuff that pro wrestlers do. And when it's obviously when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's bad. But when it's great, you know, like you kind of look at the uh, multi-layered kind of aspect to what pro wrestling does. And absolutely. And I think, you know, and, and pro wrestling gets this rap of, you know, uh, it's a bunch of guys rolling around in their underwear in a ring. And, you know, and it's, it's looked down upon by the quote unquote mainstream media and all that. But he hit the nail right on the head. I mean, what actors do that we kind of look up to them and we're like, oh, that was an amazing movie or TV show or whatever. Um, we don't give that same credit to uh, a Bray Wyatt who, for, for, or even a Dean Ambrose who put, who put on a great promo, wrestled a 15-minute match, and then cut a great promo after or, or do a stunt like he said. So it's he's he hit the nail right on the head as far as we don't give enough credit to pro wrestlers in general I mean, we do, you and me, but, you know, and other hardcore fans, but the mainstream media or, or casual fans in general don't understand the level of just pure entertainment, you know, that they have to go put put on in a, on a daily basis or a weekly basis. And, and it just, it really, it gets me angry to, to, to kind of talk about it. But, you know, I just wish people would give them, you know, a little more credit where credit's due. Yeah, try and break away from that stigma that's attached to this business and has been for just many, many, many years. And we'll, 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 we'll for the future because everyone's, oh, it's all about bad acting. It's like, well, that's not true, especially when it comes to like Dean Ambrose and his ability to talk uh, everyone into the building. But uh, we're going to move on to the next part here. And we're going to talk about like, you know, what makes the Dean Ambrose character tick? Everything. I mean, I've... I've... I've studied wrestling, like, and just seen everything. So you've been a fan since you were a kid? Yeah. So, I mean, I, but I've never had, like, one guy who I particularly tried to pattern anything off of, you know. Probably a lot of stuff rubs off, and, you know, some stuff I just blatantly rip off, you know. Most of that seems obvious for comedy purposes, but uh, usually on house shows. But uh, <laughs> I try not to think too much, and I just go out there, and uh, whatever kind of mood I'm in that night, Mm-hmm. might be different see a lot of guys like you know they come out and they do the exact same thing and are in the exact same mood and have the exact same entrance every night depending on what match they're in or what kind of angle they got going on or what kind of feud and I'm always like ah, if this is this is a match where you know I really hate this guy and I'm you know I want to rip his head off you know I might go to the ring I might just walk to the ring really fast and just go right after him, you know, or if it's kind of a, we don't really have an issue and it's a fun match and I might take a little more time or I might be worried or scared or injured or, you know, I, I try to look at it uh, situationally on the night, really. I really just make a lot of crap 
wrap up as I go along. I really don't uh, but that's put much the thought. Like, yeah, it seems like Dean Ambrose gets it. You know, trying to make his character different and one that like, why is it that Dean Ambrose kind of gets the gets the art and the freedom of being pro wrestling and others don't? It's tough to say. I mean, it, and he makes a really good point that you know he. On some days he feels differently than others, and he he handles different situations differently. And instead of going out there every week and and putting on the same performance, you know he he wants to change it up. And that's what every pro wrestler or sports entertainer, whatever you want to call them, you know, should aspire to do, should should want to do. So uh, I commend Dean Ambrose for feeling that way. A lot of people don't, and you know, and you can see that too. You can see that. You know when Dean Ambrose comes out, it's not going to be the same thing every time. It's not going to be a cookie-cutter kind of promo from him. He's going to do things differently, and, and, and it's going to be eccentric and unorthodox and all that stuff. So, you know, I wish more wrestlers would have that kind of attitude uh, toward their performance. Maybe it's got to do with the fact that he's a bit more higher placed. Maybe it's got. Maybe Vince McMahon does give him a bit more creative freedom. But as the interview kind of went on there, which I, I don't have here, but... It's almost like Vince McMahon respects where he's where he's coming from, so he gives him a much more freedom. The minute he shows that he's able to do it is the minute he actually is able to attain some kind of freedom to his character. So maybe that maybe that's got to play into it to a degree. But uh, the last clip, clip I have is this bit of a fun, fun a fun Vince McMahon story. And uh, for all those who listen to podcasts, there's always a Vince McMahon story. If they're talking about someone who's been in the business with in WWE or someone who's left the company. There's always a Vince McMahon story to have, and this one's pretty hilarious. So let's have a listen. You know, you're talking about when you had you brought the mannequin to the ring that was supposed to be Seth Rollins, yeah. and then you're like tearing it apart. And this is Vince's instruction to you. Yeah, he he loved it. He saw it. Like, I was in, in Vince's office with this mannequin, with this bag of tools laid out on the floor. Vince is just looking at the tools and looking at the mannequin and describing what he might do to the mannequin. It was like nobody else was in the room. It was like he was just, <laughs> just you and in there with... No, I mean, no, it was like he was in there alone with oh, the mannequin. No, he was did. in his own little world of just like this mannequin. What could you do to it? I could take this, so... Chop his hand off. <laughs> yeah, you like that mannequin? I could take... Uh, I, uh, I asked Vincent in the same conversation. I said, if I was going to say that I was going to, you know, cut his balls off what would be the word I would use for balls and he goes testicles with no hesitation because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like okay well testicles is the word we use in wrestling for if I'm going to kick you in the nuts I had uh, Stephanie <laughs> Stephanie one time um uh, with Hunter and something along the lines of like, you know, Stephanie's my precious little flower. And I said, hey, Stephanie's lost her flower a long time ago. I said, Can I say that? And he goes, yes, but just make sure you pause after to let the crowd cheer and react. So it's like, yeah, you can call my daughter a slut, but just make sure you let the crowd pop before you continue. That's uh, him. You yeah, know? totally. <laughs> there's only one Vince McMahon. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, like, in those kind of situations, it's like, you know, you, you you know Vince McMahon's very hands-on with the product and trying to mold people into what he wants. But, you know, is Vince's insanity or uniqueness still like a hidden asset to WWE? I think that's what makes him great. I think, you know, as much as we want to bash Vince sometimes and say he's out of touch or whatever, 
Vince still loves what he does and he still loves the product and he still loves his company and he still loves wrestling in general. So I think he's always trying to make everything better. And, you know, some people believe that Vince just, you know, sits on his ass and collects his, his money and is just waiting to die and doesn't really care about anything else about the future and all that stuff. That's, that could be more, you know, more false. I mean, the guy cares clearly and he, you know, maybe he might be out of touch, but he's doing what he feels is best for the product. And, and I think, you know, Vince is a genius and I think we'll miss him when he's gone. I think we'll miss some of the stuff he does and, and some of the genius he has in his brain. And, and, and even Triple H or Stephanie or whoever will say that, you know, there's only one Vince McMahon. There will always be one Vince McMahon. And I just, I, I, I have the utmost respect for Vince McMahon in every aspect of professional wrestling. I've always had respect for Vince McMahon, but I think, uh, you know, these last few months, man, I'm just like, I think it's time for him to kind of just ride off into the sunset. It's, it's, get, it's getting close to that. I mean, like, if things continue the way they are. But, uh, yeah, you know, like he does, there are obviously great positives that Vince will always bring to the product. Uh, and uh, that example with Dean Ambrose is definitely one of them. So that's uh, Dean Ambrose on Talk is Jericho. There's a ton of audio content uh, on the Ross Report, Steve Austin's, uh, both of Steve Austin's shows. Uh, uh, Colt Cabana. There's so much stuff out there, but obviously listen to us first at Wrestling's uh, Week that was, and then listen to all the rest of these guys because there's so much good stuff out there. And uh, yeah, that's the podcast of the week. Now we're going to quickly get into the our weekly visit to the vault. Uh, what what historical match are we going to cover today? And uh, in the spirit of uh, NXT Takeover: Our Revolution, I really wanted to kind of uh, watch a match where it, where we can kind of get uh, a little taste of what to expect from NXT in the future. Cause there's so many amazing matchups that we are yet to see on NXT, uh, involving, uh, Finn Bella, Hideo Itami, uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Adrian Neville. And I wanted to pick out one from, uh, the best of the super, what is it called? Yeah. The best of the super, new Japan pro wrestling. So we're going to continue this whole new Japan pro wrestling theme, maybe for another week or so, but this week we've got the former pack, which is obviously, uh, Adrian Neville versus uh, Prince Devitt. So that's the current Finn Balor in NXT. Uh, this match is from the 6th of the 6th, 2012. Uh, you can find it by typing in Pack versus Prince Devitt, uh, comma, NJPW, best of super juniors. And you type that into YouTube and you were able to find it. That's the first video that you find, 24 minutes and 40 seconds. Oh, like this match is just like an incredible showcase. It's almost like the Eddie Guerrero, uh, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko of the current age of kind of of this wrestling. It's super fast, but at the same time, it's technical. It's all about working a body part. The body part play, plays into the match during the, the, the whole thing. It's just amazing work on the arm by uh, by both men. It's involving these flips and dives. It's all crisp. Nothing looks uh, forced. Nothing looks, uh, you know, like out of place. Uh, the whole story of the match is like, you know, Devitt's this up-and-comer, he's young, he's he's youthful, he's trying to uh, overthrow Pac, which is like, he's just the specialist, he's the established star, he's the one that's been everywhere else, and they do a tremendous job, especially in the near falls of this match, just trying to make you believe uh, that Prince Devitt can 
and will defeat uh, uh, Pack in the end. And it's just backwards and forwards. The crowd, the crowd is like uh, there's one thing about the Japanese crowd. They 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 go from just completely quiet and respectful. You know, they they let them they work out all their stuff. And by the end of this match the crowd is just going ballistic as they should for a match like this so if you're looking for a great example of what to expect between adrian neville finn balor uh in nxt take a look at this match it's just an incredible showcase of both these guys talents and that is our weekly visit to the vault for this week now aaron you've got a weekly uh, spotlight question as we do every single week that we throw it out to you guys the listeners uh out there and again this is not a live thing you can you can uh Send us tweets or answers to this question whenever you can, whenever you listen, and it will we shall we will surely uh, get some discussion going on Twitter. Uh, but obviously, what is this question that you wanted to talk about? Well, this week, um, PWP writer uh, Sam Thorne did a whole piece, like I said earlier, um, about why WWE is failing to create new stars, and a, a, a piece of his article he touched on a little bit of the Bray Wyatt versus John Cena. Um, interaction or, or match at WrestleMania 30 and, you know, a big debate and, and, and discussion um, in the comments broke out as far as if Bray Wyatt, you know, won at WrestleMania 30, what he, what his character, or would he be in any different position or, or status in WWE right now? And that's the, the question I posed to you and uh, everyone else. I mean, like, <sighs> I don't know what the status of Bray Wyatt would be. I mean, like there's now looking back in retrospect, he needed to win at WrestleMania. Uh, he needed that, he needed that feather in his cap uh, moving forward. Uh, and again, this is an example of, of, of Vince and company kind of focusing on this one match uh, and this one show and kind of like thinking, well, how are we going to send the fans happy at WrestleMania? So, well, we've already got Daniel Bryan, so we didn't really need John Cena to to lose. Regardless of The Undertaker losing his undefeated streak, we had that amazing moment at the end of the show. So I think Bray Wyatt could have easily walked away with that championship. Sorry, with the championship, with that win against uh, John Cena. Um, you know, like obviously you say he was an enhancement talent. He was he was moving towards that kind of role. This is the role like 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 Horatio Tanahashi is in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's the established star, but he goes in there and has wrestling matches against uh, younger guys and makes them look incredible and gives them so much offense to make them look uh, like credible. And really, that fear with Bray Wyatt, even before. Um, even before uh, Daniel Bryan got injured, like yeah, he, I guess he's like kind of like taking a back seat, back seat and being an enhancement talent. But he, he never get. I hate to be a mark in this regard, but he never gave him that, that proper win, that that the decisive one on one win. They had, they gave him a cage match victory where this bullshit was all on the outside. It was a thousand people like ran in, distracted. It was like yeah, you know, like he never got his full comeuppance, and and uh, it's obviously that you know like. Uh, WWE just freaked out, and they have. To, they said, "Well, we we have to pro- we have to protect John Cena." It's just ridiculous to think that in 2014 we have to protect John Cena. He is the one man who can afford to lose in this company. Uh, I completely agree with that. I mean, I, you know, I think Cena has gotten to the point where if Cena loses every match for a year, he still is John Cena. So it's it, it's gotten to the point where he should becoming that he should become that main. Um, that, that talent that, you know, puts guys over slowly and even, even with losses, you know, he can still put that talent over. I think 
and here's one of the biggest things. And, and I was a big, you know, during WrestleMania 30, I always said, you know, just Bray Wyatt being in a feud with John Cena puts him over in a sense as far as being a main event talent or, or, or feuding with a guy that's won, you know, 15 world titles or however many he won at that, at that point in time. Um, but now that I look back on it and I, I look at Bray Wyatt and where he is now, would it have changed much? Maybe. Maybe it would have. Maybe, maybe he'd be um, a little higher up in the card or maybe he would, you know, who knows? But I still think he'd be in the same kind of spot. I, I don't think, you know, he still went to that feud with Jericho that kind of, you know, fizzled out and it just didn't make much sense. And, you know, I, I just, I would like to think Bray would be in a better spot if he won at WrestleMania 30, but honestly, I don't think so. I think he'd still be in, in the same spot he is now. So that's the question I pose to you guys. Let me know on Twitter at uh, Aaron underscore PWP, and uh, hopefully we get some responses for it. And I've just sent out a tweet, uh, and I think Aaron's going to do the same. Just just posting the question, like hey, uh, reply in the comments section. What do you think? Uh, what, what, what would the status be of Bray Wyatt if he won at WrestleMania 30? Just uh, send the tweet at Wrestling R Break. That's my that's my Twitter handle, or Aaron at Aaron at Aaron underscore PWP. So uh, yeah, let's get some discussion going in regards to that. Well, that's all we have time for tonight. Thank you so much for listening, wherever you may be out there. And uh, Aaron, as always, thank you very much for your insightful perspective on the last seven days. Thank you for having me, and I'll see you next week. And obviously, if you want to reach me and Aaron, the easiest way to do it, as we just said before, is on Twitter. So uh, follow me at uh, Wrestling R Break and follow uh, Aaron at Aaron at Aaron underscore PWP. I'm going to get it right one, one of these days. Uh, and yeah, uh, thanks very much for enjoying the show. Uh, tell us what you think. Send us some feedback. We want to know what you think of the show. What can we improve? What can we take out? What can we add? We are always up for getting some uh, feedback. So that once again, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next wrestling's week. That was.